Welcome into another episode of Locked On Phillies. In today's episode, the Philadelphia Phillies have won again. They take down the Cubs, and they're on a streak that I don't know if most fans are aware of. Also, we'll preview the final game of the series that sees Tywon Walker go to the mound with a chance for a Philly sweep. And we'll discuss a bit of an interesting lineup from Rob Thompson yesterday. And my thoughts had people disagreeing with me on Twitter. I'll tell you about all of it on today's episode of Locked On Phillies. You are Locked On Phillies. Your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yes, this is Locked On Phillies. I'm your host, Connor Thomas. Yeah, you've been hearing me talk Phillies baseball for years in the Philadelphia media market here. Uh, Radio 97.5 Fanatic, uh, TV on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Of course, here is your host of Locked On Phillies. You can find me on Twitter at ConnorThomas975. It's right down here in the corner. And thank you so much for checking out Locked On Phillies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure you're rating and reviewing wherever you consume your podcasts, uh, YouTube-wise. Subscribe to the YouTube, get your notifications when new episodes are posted. It's the best way to consume Locked On Phillies, in my personal opinion. So thank you very much for checking me out and checking us out here. However, you're consuming Locked On Phillies. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Talk. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Shout-out to all of the folks over at Game Time and our friends there. Now, the Phillies took down the Chicago Cubs last night in an interesting performance. Now, the offense looked great, okay? They scored eight runs. You felt very comfortable with that. Right off the bat, they were swinging it. Well, they're facing Drew Smiley, and he did not have his best stuff. The Phillies hit three home runs in the first five innings. Uh, they were up eight to two by the time the bottom of the fifth rolled around. Just talk to you a little bit about how it happened. Top of the second, Edmundo Sosa hits a two-run homer to left center. This one actually got into the bleachers, which was nice. Good swing by Sosa. He was due for that. Uh, he got a day playing, and we'll talk about that in a second. But he got a day to play because Rob Thompson felt like he needed to get some at-bats, and it uh, looks like he was ready to go. Also in the top of the second, Nick Castellanos came up with two men on. And check on your grandparents and at-risk family members, ladies and gentlemen, because he would homer as well. He homered to left. His one 367 feet into the basket in front of the auxiliary scoreboard in left field at Wrigley. 5 nothing Phillies right there in the top of the second. You're like, okay, they're pouring it on. Feels like they're going to be heading towards another win. Now, they give up a run in the third inning on a home run to Young. But then Nick Castellanos hits an RBI double in the fourth to make it 6-1. to one. How is this guy not an all-star starter? Unbelievable. He's going to be in Seattle. He's going to be an all-star, but he should be a starter in the outfield. Totally deserves it. That was in the fourth inning. And then also in the fourth inning, uh, Castellanos legged out a double on that as I hit my microphone. Sorry about that. Uh, he legged out a double on that RBI with Schwarber scoring. Well, Bryce Harper went ahead and hit a single to center field to pay him off for it. Castellanos scores. It's 7-1 to one in the fourth. The bottom of the fourth, Dancy Swanson hit a, uh, a bomb of a home run, nearly 400 feet to left field, to make it 7-2. to two. But then Josh Harrison hits a ball into the basket in left field, uh, nearly identically to where Nick Castellanos went, 374 feet on his, a little bit further, but also ended up in the basket as 8-2 Phillies. Comfortable, right? Okay. Well, on the bottom of the fifth, the Aaron Nola inning happens. You know what I mean. Aaron Nola, he's been cruising to this point. He's given up a pair of home runs because, of course, he gives up home runs, but... 
there's always an inning right around the fifth or the sixth where he just completely loses it. I don't know what it is, but mentally he has a lapse or physically he gets too tired or something or whether I don't know what the contributing factors are. Bottom line is I know that after you're through four innings, a very easygoing Aaron Nola pitching where he dominates another team, uh, then the wheels come off. And boy, did the wheels come off in the fifth inning. So Aaron Nola loads the bases with no outs. Then he walks Christopher Morrell to walk in a run with no outs to make it eight to four. Then a comebacker gets hit to Aaron Nola that bounces off his glove and goes to Josh Harrison at second. He throws the runner out at first, and it's eight to five. And now you've got second and third with one out. But luckily, Aaron Nola works his way out of it. Now, his streak of consecutive games with six-plus innings pitched is over. He was pulled after the fifth inning. So, unfortunately, that does not continue for Aaron Nola. But, man, it was just that fifth inning was a nightmare again. And I don't know what it is with the guy. I don't know why he can't just put together a complete start more often than what he does. But thank goodness he worked out of it. Credit to him for working out of what could have been a situation where it would have been like a two- or a one-run game. Uh, The Phillies wouldn't score the rest of the way, but the bullpen was really good for both sides. Uh, Gregory Soto was good for the Philadelphia Phillies. Jose Alvarado did give up a run in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, but he had himself, and Matt Strom was good, who first initially relieved Aaron Nola. Um, and, yeah, Jose Alvarado gave a run in the ninth, but closed everything down. Eight to five, the final score, the Philadelphia Phillies win. Let me tell you what that is for the Philadelphia Phillies in a second. But first, uh, the big contributors, Nick Castellanos, two for five. Alec Bohm, two for four. Josh Harrison, two for four. Edmundo Sosa, a home run. I mean, everyone in the Phillies lineup had a hit besides JT Romito. Uh, so, Schwarber, Turner, Castellanos, Harper, Bohm, Harrison, Sosa, and Pache all had hits on the day. That's a very nice day for the Philadelphia Phillies at the dish, even though I'll tell you in a little bit why I disagreed with the lineup Rob Thompson rolled out. But something that you might not know is going on, because it's not a consecutive win streak, but the Phillies have won eight straight road games. Yeah, can you believe it? Just think back. So they've won two here in Chicago, and then they won three in Oakland against the Athletics. That makes it five, if my math's correct. And then they won the final three against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Probably should have been four, but they blew a 5-1 lead uh, in Arizona after, of course, uh, Tori Lavelle got – Lavello, sorry. Tori Lavello got ejected. See, I don't know the guy's name. You act like that. You're going to annoy me to the point where I don't even worry about getting your name right. Uh, but bottom line is the Phillies have won eight straight road games. And for a team that was not good on the road, Uh, coming into this month, that's huge for them. If they can get that figured out, like they are going to go on a really good run because they're going to play well at home. Citizens Bank Park is a great home field advantage. They feel more comfortable there. Obviously, we know they can win at home, but showing they can win on the road with this eight straight road wins is nice. And the Cubs are a better team than what the Philadelphia Phillies are making them look like right now. The Cubs record, I mean, they're still, they're 37 and 41. They're sub 500 now. But they were in a position to be above 500, and they were right around that mark. I mean, the Phillies were like two games over. The Cubs were like one game under. It's a situation where those are comparable teams. But instead, the Philadelphia Phillies have gotten hot. They're now 42-37, and five games above 500. And the Cubs have dropped uh, four games below 500 because of just one good series. Uh, The Phillies are now two games out of the wild card spot the final wild card spot, I should say, in the National League. They're trailing the Dodgers. Uh, they also have to track down the Giants and the Miami Marlins if they want to get to the top wild card spot there. The Marlins are four games up on them. 
they're not going to be, I'm not going to say they're hard to catch, but that'll take a little bit more work. But the Phillies are 42 and 37. The Dodgers, 44 and 35. The Giants, 45 and 35. Uh, they're two and a half games up. The Giants are very catchable as well. I mean, the Phillies are in great shape. Now, the issue is you look at the standings in division and the Braves are 10 and a half games up. They're somehow like almost gaining ground with the Phillies not losing. I don't know. The Braves are a monster organization. They've got 53 wins. Uh, that is good for the second most in baseball, trailing only the Tampa Bay Rays, who are 55 and 28 up there in the American League East. Like the Atlanta Braves are just stacked. I don't know who's going to beat them this year. It's kind of at the point of the season where you say, you got to see some type of slowdown from them or they're going to be everybody's pick to just run through the National League. I don't know, man, but the Braves are good. And that's something that you're going to have to deal with if you're a Philadelphia Phillies fan, except that the division is not a realistic possibility. But the Phillies are now 21 and 14 at home, 21 and 13, or sorry, 21 and 13, 21 and 23 on the road. So they're trying to get back to 500 on the road. Of course, they've already gotten back to 500 in total record and they go for the sweep tonight. It's a great opportunity. Some, Great pitching in game one. Some not so great pitching by Aaron Nola in the fifth inning of game two, but the bullpen's been solid. The offense has showed up a little bit at Wrigley, even though the wind has been a factor. Uh, that's all great. So go ahead and finish it off tonight, and you have one of the hotter pitchers in all of baseball. No, not Ranger Suarez. The other guy, Taiwan Walker, throwing tonight. So a great opportunity for your Philadelphia Phillies. Tonight's game is at 8.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can listen to every pitch of the Phillies versus the Cubs on the Phillies hometown radio broadcast on the SiriusXM app. Just go to the SXM app and search Phillies, and you'll be able to pull that all up. And coming up, I'll tell you about an interesting uh, end to the series, an interesting matchup here that has an opportunity, like I said, for the Phillies not only to sweep, though, to win their ninth straight road game. We'll break it all down as we continue today's episode of Lock on Phillies. All right, let me tell you about our title sponsor. You know who they are, Game Time. They got last-second tickets. The best way to go to any sporting event. You get a chance to have flash deals and all these types of guarantees. I'm going to run through them in a second, but just imagine how ticket buying was done before game time was a thing. Think back to, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, back when there were paper stub tickets or something like that. You might have to go to the box office and actually stand in line and buy tickets. And then after that, you had all of the, uh, the second market. Uh, retail stores that were just like or online websites, I should say, that you got to search through your email. It's some random person across the world trying to mail you tickets through email. They don't know how to use it. You don't know how to use it. You don't know where they go. They don't send them to you until like five minutes before the game starts. You got to hit the ticket transfer a certain time. And there's all this stuff that you absolutely got to do. It's like cracking the Da Vinci code to get tickets to go see the Phillies. It's crazy. Isn't there an easier way? Well, Absolutely there is, and it's called Game Time. You can forget planning months in advance. You don't have to do that anymore. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. You find tickets in the same row and section, and you're going to get or, sorry, for less. Obviously, the tickets have to be for less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. You get pictures of your seat before you go so you can see what the view looks like. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Just a couple of taps and you're set. And the tickets are sent directly to your phone. You don't have to go through your email for it. It's a perfect way to buy tickets. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and oh, it gets even better. Use code LOCKED on MOB and you get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. And redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download game time today. 
Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Phillies Cubs game three. I told you, but I'll tell you again, 8.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time out there in Chicago. You got an opportunity to listen to the Phillies hometown radio broadcast of what could be the Philadelphia Phillies sweep of the Cubs. Hopefully, fingers crossed. You can listen to that on the SiriusXM app. Just go to the SXM app and search Phillies, and you'll be able to pull up that broadcast there. A very interesting matchup here on the mound. You got Kyle Hendricks going against Taiwan Walker. And, uh, yeah, it's pitching power here in this game. Walker's been really good in June, and he's got an 8-3 and three record with a 4.1 ERA and a 1-2-4 whip. It's kind of crazy where his record is compared to some of the other pitchers on the Philly staff considering the stats because like a 4-1 ERA doesn't say 8 and 3 to me but he's gotten the benefit of some good run support and he's also worked into some deeper uh, deeper games so he's been eligible for wins uh the continued stats for him he's thrown about 83 innings this year 71 hits allowed 71 strikeouts so striking out as many as he gives up hits that's always a nice indicator 32 walks and 11 home runs given given up got to cut down the um the home runs a little bit there but that's all right i mean Solid year so far by Tywin Walker, and a lot of that is because he's been super good in June. Like he, as good as Ranger Suarez has been in June, and he was historically good. Uh, I mean, Tywin Walker's right on his heels. But Kyle Hendricks has been putting together a good part of the year himself. He's only thrown thirty-four and two-thirds innings, uh, dealing with injuries and stuff like that. But he's got a three-and-two record with a two-six ERA, a .98 WHIP. That's nasty. Uh, Twenty-five hits allowed. 18 strikeouts, nine walks. So 18 strikeouts and 34 and two-thirds innings. He's not going to strike out a bunch, but uh, you're going to look at a guy who limits hard contact. And you can see that by the fact that he's only given up one home run all year. This is going to be a tough game for the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, Hendricks is a righty, so you could go ahead and play the lefties that you sat yesterday. More on that uh, coming up in the final segment where I talk you through why I disagreed with the lineup yesterday. But uh, we'll, that's a... Topic for a little bit later on in the show. Right now, uh, just looking at the game, I mean, uh, the big question is, can Taiwan Walker continue his dominance? Well, the big two questions is, can Taiwan Walker continue his dominance? And can the Phillies offense crack Kyle Hendricks? Now, one thing that I think the Phillies have been doing really well, I think the Phillies' big issue, their kryptonite as an offense is strikeout pitchers. Guys like Spencer Strider. Guys like, uh, thinking back to when Kodai Senga had his ghost fork ball working and the Phillies were swinging through it. When they're super aggressive against guys with swing and miss stuff, that is normally the death sentence for the Philadelphia Phillies' offense chances. When they have a guy, and Kyle Hendricks is not going to strike out a bunch, you can kind of work the count against them a little bit, see more pitches, get deeper into counts, have a patient approach because you don't feel like you're immediately in the danger zone uh, the second that you straight uh, take strike one. I think that plays a lot more to the way that Kevin Long has talked these guys philosophy-wise into hitting and the way that they're prepared to hit. I think it plays well for guys like Kyle Schwarber, who likes to see a bunch of pitches. Bryson Stott, who likes to see a bunch of pitches. Bryce Harper, who, yes, he can be aggressive, but he does also like to get deep in the counts, and he'll he'll walk a bunch too. Um, guys near the bottom of the order, I mean, Alec Bohm has become more selective. Brandon Marsh has become more selective. Even Nick Castellanos, compared to last year, has become more selective. I think it could help Trey Turner to do that a little bit more, but Bottom line is, when I see a guy with a low strikeout total compared to his number of innings thrown, I say, okay, it's probably going to be a solid day for the Philadelphia Phillies offense. Uh, Also, they're just going really well right now. The Cubs offense hasn't been able to get much going. Even in that bad inning that Aaron Nola had yesterday, it wasn't a lot of hard contact. It was a couple hits, some bad walks, 
and the situation where Nola seemed uncomfortable on the mound at points with pitching from the stretch. Nola, actually, to go back to yesterday's game a little bit, he threw from the windup with the bases loaded because he's that uncomfortable from the stretch at points with runners on. That's a problem. Mentally, he's got to figure that out because he's cost himself money every time he walks out to the mound. Anyway, tonight's game. Great opportunity for the lefties to go off. Uh, Harper really needs to hit the ball out of the yard. We had Ricky Batalico on uh, the airwaves, 97.5 The Fanatic. Now he's part of our afternoon show, but he stops in every Thursday morning with the morning show, the John Kincaid Show. So I get a chance to chat with him. We were talking some ball and everything, and he was talking about Harper, and he was like, literally, sometimes it's as easy as you just need to see one go out of the yard. It's like a basketball player just needing to see one go in. And what do you do when you're not shooting well? You get to the rim. Uh, okay, that works in basketball. There's no easy way to hit the ball out of the yard, right? It, it's tougher when you're on a power outage, a home run slump. And maybe you get a wind-blowing-out type of day, and Bryce Harper just gets one up in a jet stream and he gets him out. Now, I think if he doesn't hit one today, he's going to hit one in the home series with the Nationals the Phillies have coming up this weekend. Like, uh, that's a stone-cold block to me that he's going to go yard against that team. He always goes yard against his former franchise. But – it would be really nice to see him do it uh, against a pitcher that the Phillies could really use it against in Kyle Hendricks, a, a veteran guy who's been around the block. You know the quality of arm that he has, and he's having another strong season if it even is a small sample size. So uh, there you have it. Those are kind of my keys to tonight's matchup with the Chicago Cubs. And uh, what the Phillies have at stake is just a continued winning streak. They've won three in a row. Winning four in a row would be great. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule for the rest of the first half. You come home and you play the Nationals. Those are all winnable games. You go on the road and you play the Tampa Bay Rays. That's going to be the litmus test. Stay hot into that series, and then you could go down to Tampa playing the best team in baseball and prove yourself a little bit. And then you wrap up. You want to be playing well because you want to play the Rays well. You're going to have to be playing good baseball if you want to compete with them. And then you go to Miami, just across the state down there, and you play the Miami Marlins, who you're trying to track down from one of the wild card spots and also second place in the division. Yeah, those last two series of the first half are going to be huge. Three games each there. So build momentum, stack wins now. While I say I want them to be playing their base, uh, best baseball at that point, it's also realistic to understand that those are going to be tough games to play. You can't expect them to go down there and win six on that road trip. So the more you win here, the better buffer you have to not go into the all-star break disappointed. So uh, that's a good thing. And again, it starts tonight. Phillies Cubs, 8.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Phillies minus 120 favorite on the betting line, though, even though the ESPN analytics has them as a 46.4% chance to win tonight. Cubs favored via the ESPN analytics. Phillies favored via Vegas and the money line. So interesting there. But 8.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Phillies Cubs. You can listen to every pitch of the Phillies hometown radio broadcast on the Sirius XM app. Just go to the SXM app and search Phillies, and you'll be able to pull that all up there and listen to the game. So go ahead and check them out. Coming up, I'm going to tell you a little bit about a tweet I had last night. And it's one that was not received too well by everybody, and some people were very upset with me for this. I thought it was an innocent enough tweet, and I thought it was a very logical tweet. But I'll just talk you through my thought process on what Rob Thompson did with the lineup last night. We'll discuss as we wrap up Locked On Phillies. All right, let's talk lineup. So here's what the Philadelphia Phillies lineup looked like last night against the lefty Drew Smiley. Schorber led off, Turner bad shortstop. Castellanos right field, Harper DH, Ramuto catching, ball in first base. All seems normal, right? Here's where it gets weird. Harrison played second base. 
Sosa played third base. Uh, Pache in center field. And Nola on the mound. Those bottom three were weird to me. So you sit down Stott and you sit down Brandon Marsh uh, and you get in Mundo Sosa an opportunity there at, at third base. Uh, okay. I mean, I get that. So no Cody Clemens, no Stott, no Marsh. Cody Clemens makes sense. He's been struggling a little bit as of late. His batting average is dropping a little bit more. He's not your everyday player. He's forced into being an everyday or almost an everyday player because of the Derek Hall injury and the Reese Hoskins injury. Derek Hall, by the way, hearing some rumblings that he's going to be up sooner rather than later. Possibly even. This is a possibility. It's not a definite, but possibly this home series with the Nationals that starts tomorrow. So who knows? Maybe he's up Friday. Maybe he's up Saturday, Sunday. I think you'll see Derek Hall in a Phillies uniform before the 4th of July. Just just a guess here uh, based on uh, a rumor or two. But anyway, uh, back to the lineup deal. But I quote tweeted this. And my quote tweet said, this is objectively a bad lineup. They better win tonight. Now, they did win tonight, and they scored eight runs, and the offense looked great and everything. And some people were like, oh, don't you feel dumb now? No, I don't. I mean, you could go through a bad result or a bad process and get a good result. It happens. You could put the line, the wrong lineup out there, and you could end up looking right because those guys just perform. I mean, Rob Thompson didn't say Josh Harrison's going to hit a home run today. Let's put him out there. Uh, that's Edmundo Sosa is going to hit a home run today. Let's put him out here. Now I know two of the three guys I have trouble with um, in this lineup, or I didn't like, actually I have no issue with Sosa, but still two of the three guys I looked at and I was like, what is this lineup went yard? So maybe silly me. Here's why I don't like it. Right. You have a left-handed pitcher on the mound. So the thought process is you go righty heavy, you get Harrison in there uh, instead of Stott. you get Pache in there instead of Marsh. Here's my problem, right? Marsh needs to build momentum. He just started showing off some power. He just hit two home runs the night before, and you sit him down. I don't know that I'm ever sitting a guy that hit two home runs the day before. And Bryson Stott, that's over 300 against lefties. Other than that, I mean, it's not like it's Kyle Schwerber and Nick Castellanos you're sitting down. Those are older players who aren't as athletic, who don't have the wheels under them for a 162-game season uh, out in the field. I mean, eventually they need a day off or two, right? Uh, now, they both kind of have been Ironmen this year. They haven't missed a lot of days when it comes to who's available in the outfield. But what I'm saying is, normally, if you have an older player, I'd let that slide more. Yeah, he's hitting 300 against lefties, but he's 34 years old, and we wanted to rest his legs. Oh, he catches. We want to give him a day off or something like that. These guys are young, athletic, fast players who seem to be in very good health. And for some reason, you're sitting down a guy who had two home runs the night before and a guy who bets 300-plus against lefties. Like, that makes no sense to me. Brandon Marsh and Bryson Stott are everyday players for this organization. Bryson Stott, for sure. And if you want to get Pache out in the outfield somewhere, okay, maybe on occasion, but not the day after Marsh hits two home runs. I just didn't understand that. It didn't seem like a smart decision by Rob Thompson at the time. Now, it worked out. Maybe that topper magic is back where he used to play like Matt Veerling at second base last year, and it would just work out and they'd win. So I, I don't know. Listen, I reserve the right to say he probably knows a bunch about the Philadelphia Phillies that I don't know. I mean, he is their manager, for goodness sake. But objectively looking at it, I thought statistically, numbers-wise, momentum-wise, it was a bad lineup last night. It worked out. We'll see what they put together tonight against the right-handed Hendricks. I imagine you're going to see Stott. And you're going to see uh, Marsh and you're possibly even going to see Cody Clemens again. But I don't know. I, I disagreed with Thompson's lineup last night. And 
And that's just how I felt. A lot of people disagreed, but I wanted to weigh out my thinking there for you here on the podcast. That's all for today's episode of Locked on Phillies. Thank you so much for checking us out. Uh, make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribing to the YouTube, all that good stuff. Tomorrow's episode, we'll obviously be recapping tonight's game. We'll be talking about an interesting series with the Washington Nationals coming up and why that one, uh, I might expect something that I never expect from a Major League Baseball team. Interesting, right? Well, I'll tell you what that is coming up on tomorrow's episode, but that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for checking out Lock on Phillies, and I will talk to you next time on the next episode of Lock on Phillies.